strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. As I've said in the, in the past, we are going to talk with as many candidates, statewide candidates especially, as we can going into the election year so we have informed voters. There are a lot of candidates who have already hit the campaign trail. Earlier this morning, we had Carrie Lake on talking about schools and talking about a multitude of topics, including a tweet that was sent out yesterday. Matt Salmon joined us to talk about the very same topics. And another person that's been outspoken about cameras in schools is candidate Karen Taylor Robeson, and she joins us now. Ms. Robeson, let's start with... Um, let's start before we get to cameras in the classroom. Um, weighing in, I asked Matt Salmon about other candidates yesterday and about things. I talked with Kerry Lake about it today, about the tweet that was out there. Where do you stand on this issue? Uh, well, thank you first, Mike, for having me on. And, um, uh, you know, the tweet, I, I had hoped that would be the end of it. But, you know, I heard what was said this morning, and it's simply not appropriate. We have two candidates for governor fighting with each other and flinging mud and and carrie lake just had a meltdown on your show and and quite frankly it was a pretty terrible personal attack on another another candidate i'm i'm just i'm not sure she can handle the pressure of being governor and and we have real issues to talk about we have a crisis in yuma we have a we have you know our inflation is out of control and we have a crisis in our schools. and and having a twitter war is not the way to handle crises I uh, I know that you are uniquely uh, you know invested in education, being with the Board of Regents, and you you made a statement about cameras in the classroom not being the right idea, but parental involvement is. Can you expound on that a little bit and what you believe the answer is for oversight in the classroom? Absolutely. You know, in addition to being on the Board of Regents, I was also on my kids' school board for for nearly a decade. But parents today believe the system is is rigged and. You know, rather than responding to, you know, demands for transparency and accountability, too many of our school administrators and school boards, you know, are stonewalling our parents, right? And and parents asking questions, you know, are now being labeled as domestic terrorists. But if you're a conservative who's rightly skeptical of government and big tech, why would you trust either to be in possession of thousands of hours of video footage of our kids i mean they that's what they do in china that's what they do in north korea and the last thing i want to do is put in the hands of of the bullies in the education system cameras to surveil our kids the answer to it to your question the answer is more transparency and more choice in education if we if if every family could choose what school to send their kids to that competition would eliminate some of the stuff that is going on now. And we don't need cameras in the classrooms. We need more school choice. You said just a moment ago that uh, parents have a right to be skeptical and school boards are, are stonewalling. And I know you don't mean all school boards, but there are some school boards that are stonewalling our kids. Coming from as a school board, former school board member yourself, where do you think that attitude comes from? Why is that happening? Well, you know, COVID came with a lot of problems, but if there was a silver lining, it's that parents got to see what their kids were learning. You know, for far too long, we would drop our kids off at school and we would assume they were learning the same things we were learning. We learned to love our country. We learned to love each other. And now our kids are being taught to hate our country and hate each other. And parents have woken up to that. And so parents are now rightfully demanding transparency. We want to know what our kids are learning. And, and again, I go back to empowering parents, giving them complete choice into where they send their kids, and they're not going to send their kids to schools that are teaching them to hate each other. You know, if a school is teaching critical race theory, I want their classrooms to be empty. 
because I want parents to have the opportunity to send their kids anywhere that works for that individual child. So then obviously you're, you're, you're talking about the expansion of the ESA program. Uh, how, does that, how, how can you make that happen? Because that's been a bone of contention for people for a while. How, what would, does that program look like if you're governor? Well, let me, let me just step back and say we have a system that was designed for adults that is, is heavily top-end loaded by bureaucrats. You know, we continue to put money into education, and somehow it's not making it into the pockets of our teachers. Our teachers need to be paid like we want to keep them. And if we paid them properly, we wouldn't have the teacher shortage we have. And so I believe we should reimagine education. We should, we, we should have a system that is designed for the kids, not the administrators, not the bureaucracy. And that's what we have today. One of the topics I've been harping on quite a lot lately is school security. I've been hearing from teachers in the Phoenix Union High School District, and and not just from one school, but from many schools, that they are saying within to the administration of their schools, we don't feel safe teaching here. We know that there has been an uptick in threats on schools. We know there was a shooting at Cesar Chavez High School. How do you address that issue with families? Well, that, that goes to a much bigger issue, and that's the rule of law and law enforcement. You know, when I am governor, we will have the backs of our law enforcement. A lot of these school districts are trying to take the, the you know, some of the officers out of the schools where they need to be. We are being joined by Karen Taylor Robeson. She is a candidate for governor here in the state of Arizona. So let me shift to another issue. We know that Governor Ducey was just down at the border in Yuma County, and he was talking uh, about adding assets from both the National Guard and DPS. I had the DPS director on today and said in two days they confiscated over th- about 300 pounds of methamphetamine. What needs to change from a gubernatorial, from a governor's perspective, what can Arizona do at the border to help these border counties and these border towns? Well, we have to work with this administration or the next, whoever, to finish the wall and secure our borders. We know how to do it. We've done it in the past when there's the political will to do so. That's the federal government's job, and I will work with the federal government to make that happen. In addition, we've got to add more resources to our local law enforcement to provide them the money and the resources they need to keep their communities safe. And we need to add more more national security, or excuse me, National Guard uh, troops to the border. We're, we've done some. We need to do more. And, and there are other states in America that are sending their National Guard troops to the border states to help them. Well, Ms. Ropes, and I always appreciate the time, and I hope this year we'll be able to spend some more time together on the show. If people want to learn more about your campaign, how do they find you? They can go to my website at KarenForArizona.com, and it's K-A-R-R-I-N-F-O-R-Arizona.com. I appreciate the time as always, and I hope you'll come back. Mike, certainly, anytime. All right, thank you. That is Karen Taylor Robeson, uh, candidate for governor. And again, I want to talk issues, and uh, those are some of the most important issues there. Learn about these candidates. There are many of them out there. We've had Steve Gaynor on the show as well. He's another gubernatorial candidate. Um, We have not yet had on Kimberly Yee, who is the state treasurer, also a candidate for governor. We hope to get her on soon. Um, I want to give all of these candidates a fair shot, Senate candidates as well. We have so many important races in the state of Arizona, and this next year is going 
going to be a sprint. And candidates differentiating themselves in a primary is a necessary thing. It's a battle within each political party who will come out on top. And uh, it should be. These are This is exactly how these conversations should go, where people have an opportunity to tell you, this is what I would do differently from someone else. And then you and I, we can make a, a an educated decision on who we think would be the best person to represent us in that office. So a thank you to Mrs. Robeson for coming on. In a moment, we're going to get it. We have an update on the vaccines. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but there are some new things out there that they are saying. And I've got some updates on what's happening here in Arizona. All that's coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. There's the new push for vaccines and mandates, and uh, it's getting crazy. I'm sorry. It is getting completely out of hand. I'm just going to read a couple of headlines, and I want you to hear a couple of people speak. Don Lemon says unvaccinated Americans should face some consequences. Unvaccinated Americans should face some consequences. Illinois bill proposes to strip unvaxxed of their health insurance. Let's start with just those two comments. Isn't this the same group of people that has been screaming since Obamacare was being proposed that health care in America is a human right? That every human being has a right to health care? Do you not understand the emotional swings of statements like this? I don't believe most people feel this way, but it's the people that get attention. How does and it's not. Again, it's not and I'm not making fun of people on social media, but we all know the difference between people on social media who are just an individual that is very angry about one issue and they say something outrageous. It's something that touches them Um, there. The comedians are facing right now the backlash of the cancel culture. And, uh, I, I, you know, one of the things that I find to be hilarious about it and it's happened to me and it's whatever else is when you do something you can do outrageous things you can say outrageous things until you say something outrageous to someone that it touches them personally and then they're offended and now you're going to get canceled listen people say a lot of offensive things i get offended and i'll push back against somebody that says something offensive but i'm not trying to shut them down i got into an argument with a guy on my instagram page over some stupid thing he said. I didn't delete his comments. I just told him he was an idiot for saying it. But this cancel culture of when you do something I don't like, you should be canceled. So Don Lemon and other people have been screaming, health care in America is a human right. Everyone's entitled to quality health care. Unless, of course, you disagree with my stance on a vaccine and it's and it's a mandates. And then we should cancel you. And I when I say cancel, I mean, kill. You don't get health care. It, it is it is the. um It is such a knee-jerk emotional reaction that is not founded in reality, and it's the problem with the debate that's going on right now. The new governor of New York, I want you to hear her talk about mandates in New York State. I've been warning. I've been saying we can't get more people vaccinated or boosted. I have to protect people, but also the economy. We are enacting a statewide indoor mask mandate unless a business has a vaccination mandate. (laughs) I've been warning, if you don't volunteer, I'm going to make you. I've been warning. This The idea of mandates is absurd. Should we convince people with data? I absolutely agree we should. 
Uh, Dr. Carmona, Dr. Richard Carmona, who is advising the governor's office here in the state of Arizona on on COVID-19. He was on Arizona's Morning News today and said this. I've spoken to numerous parents who are struggling with that very thing. You know, it's our most precious asset, our children, and, and they're not sure. They're reading a lot of information, some of it misinformation on the Internet or where they get their news from. But the information we have is that these vaccines are very effective. They're very safe. And when you consider the risk of contracting the disease and being hospitalized and in some cases even getting on a ventilator and dying, that risk is much higher than any problem that you'd have from the vaccine. That is the data that they are selling people. But let me be devil's advocate and why I think the approach has been dramatically wrong. There have been almost, again, overnight, almost twice as many cases reported overnight of people under the age of 20 as people over the age of 65. There were 966 new cases of children, people, when I say children, under 20, uh, many of them much younger than that. So under 20. So they're not all children. 966. There were 515 cases, almost half of people over the age of 65. There were five new hospitalizations overnight recorded of people under the age of 25 and zero deaths once again. Over the age of 65, 69 hospitalizations and 56 deaths. There were 93 deaths recorded overnight. Of those, 80, 80 out of 93 were people over the age of 55 years old. Why are we not saying to every single person within the sound of my voice, if you're 55 or older, but especially if you are 65 or older, you have got to get vaccinated because younger people aren't listening. Younger people are still getting this virus. The highest group of spread by far is 20 to 44 years old, 1,525 cases, 1,500 and 25 cases and far and away three times the number of the next closest group or I shouldn't say of the 65 plus age group it is absolutely critical that older people and people with comorbidities get vaccinated I'm not saying that I'm saying that should be the message from the medical experts they are showing data vaccinated versus unvaccinated And so I did my homework like many of you do. This pitting one against another, the idea that any government entity, a government official, when Trump would say something, they would always say, you're not a scientist. Shut up. You're not a doctor. Joe Biden's talking about it and no one's telling him to shut up. He's not a scientist. So, you know, going out and doing what the science says and unfiltered from politics is what I did. I went and sought medical advice like many people do when you have a decision to make. I want to see like everyone else does. I want to see us get on the other side of COVID-19. We are seeing hospital beds fill up. We are seeing a higher rate than before. 
of people in the hospitals because of COVID-19. I want it to end as much as anyone else. But Arizona, Texas, California, Michigan, New York, Florida, you look at these states, they've done it differently and everybody ends up in the same place. It's bad in one area, then it's good later on after that. And we continue to have these knee-jerk reactions and fighting with with each other when we shouldn't be. The most at risk among us must protect themselves. That should be the message. That should be the message. Yes, we'd like to see children vaccinated. I'm talking about if I was in the Arizona Department of Health Services. Yes, we'd like to see children get vaccinated. We would love to see the 20 to 44 year old age group get more vaccinated. And we're going to continue to ask them to do that. But it is absolutely critical for older people and for people with comorbidities that you are vaccinated because you are at the highest risk. And if you're exposed and if you get it, you have the best chance of hospitalization and death by far. Get vaccinated. And that's not what we're doing. We're focusing on the working class, and they're not the ones getting sick. In a moment, we had uh, we had Heston Silbert, Colonel Heston Silbert, DPS director on talking about the border and the crisis. Yuma has declared a local emergency. We'll discuss it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Um, if you have not subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet, please do it. It's very simple to do. It doesn't matter what kind of a device you have. Apple, Samsung, doesn't matter. Um, it is Android, doesn't matter. It's easy to do, and you'll never miss a minute of the show. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. You can get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Um there is a humanitarian crisis at the border. Uh, Yuma, County, uh, Yuma County has declared that so that they are now eligible for state and federal funding to help with what's happening at the border. Um, anyone who denies that this crisis is horrible. First of all, the, the distraction that says we've always had a crisis at the border. That's true. There's no doubt about it. Um, that we have had a crisis at the border to differing degrees going all the way back to the Reagan administration. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Former President George W. Bush said one of the biggest regrets of his presidency was not getting comprehensive immigration reform passed while he was president. Um, that doesn't let this administration off the hook for how bad it is now. Yuma County is seeing huge increases in border crossers. They do not have the personnel from the federal government to deal with it. All assets in Yuma County have been strained, which is why the National Guard and DPS had to be sent down there to help and aid in what can be done in the state law enforcement side of things. But we also know that aside from that, resources in Yuma County, the 911 system, the food bank, Donations have been pouring in, but that doesn't mean that they're able to keep up with the demand. The crisis at the border is A, real, and B, worse than it's ever been. And it has to do with bad policy. I would, I'm going to say that I align myself, and maybe I'm being too bold in saying this, I align myself with most Americans in saying we honor legal immigration. I don't know of, a, of an American that looks at a naturalization ceremony where somebody is being sworn in as a citizen in the U.S. that we don't feel a sense of patriotism and saying it. I think it's a huge compliment that somebody wants to become one of us. 
There is a difference and a distinction that must always be made between legal and illegal immigration. And we're not making it. Everyone is called a migrant now. Everyone should be treated the same. Well, no. No, they shouldn't. They are breaking the law. And we should have a system that makes it easier for desperate people that can legally come here to come here. We should fix that system. There's no doubt. But that doesn't mean we condone lawbreaking and making the problem worse. The cartels are using this to make the situation worse. So I want you to hear um, something about that, making the situation worse. Colonel Heston Silbert joined us. Colonel Silbert is the director of DPS, and he was down at the border, and I asked him about assets at the border and what increase in assets are going to be there and what difference they're going to make, and here's what was said. The people who are self-surrendering don't create what I would call the, the criminal threat coming into the country that some others might. And um, those were the people in the areas we concentrated our effort on with the coordination from Border Patrol, our intelligence, and we partnered with the National Guard and then went out and hit those areas. Um, In that period of time where those gaps were that we, we started to hit, in different parts of the county. I don't want to get too specific, but in a period of two days, we've seized uh, just shy of 300 pounds of methamphetamine. So it's been pretty significant. Two days, 300 pounds of methamphetamine. I would say that the border crisis is terrible. So the cartels are making money hand over fist by bringing people into the country. If you didn't hear the story this morning, there was a truck in southern Mexico that was making its way to the border carrying people to helping them illegally enter the U.S. There were well over 100 people. I've heard reports as high as 200 people, but well over 100 people crammed into a truck. That truck overturned and over 50 of those people died. That truck was bound for the U.S. So the cartels, again, treat human beings as cargo. We heard on this show Jonathan Lines, who is a supervisor in Yuma County, say that three different occasions in one day down at the border that the cartels, armed cartel members, crossed over into America, armed, and stole the food that had been donated for the people that were sitting on the side of the road waiting for Border Patrol. Three times in one day. The cartels control the border. And what they are doing is making money hand over fist, bringing people. And then when the Border Patrol and ICE are overwhelmed with trying to process people into the country, whether or not they're going to be able to stay or not, process them through in these immigration or asylum hearings. Then the cartels are going to the gaps in that protection and they're committing crimes by bringing drugs like methamphetamines and fentanyl into this country. Anybody who sees it differently than that is seeing it the wrong way. And when we keep hearing these are good people, well, some people are good. I have I am completely sympathetic and empathetic to the plight of people that have been waiting and are in desperate situations and feel like they have no other choice. But they are being mixed in with criminals. They are being mixed in. And some of them still don't have the legal right to be here. There should be a different system. Well, right now, unfortunately for the people on the politically left side of the aisle, they are in control. 
There is a 50-50 split in the Senate, but the Democrat vice president breaks the tie, and there is a majority in the House. So any bill that goes to a committee, any bill that gets to the floor for a vote is controlled by the Democrat Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. And any bill that makes it to the president's desk will be vetoed or signed by a Democrat president. So if you want to divide things on political lines, you have got to take the heat on this one because you are in leadership and you have done nothing but make the problem problem worse with your policies. So that's the politics of it. And I'll argue politics all day long. But the humanity of this is looking into the eyes of people that are being preyed upon by the cartels. Then they are being stranded here. Many of them are going to be sent back broke because they've spent money they don't have with cartels bringing them here. And it's a vicious cycle and it needs to stop. It needs to stop. One leader, I believe from Guatemala, made a statement that he talked to the vice president of the United States one time. One time. I want you to hear this. Um, This is the Guatemalan president, but this is through a translator talking about who did more and was more effective on border control. I believe this is something for the U.S. uh, citizens uh, to state, not us. Uh, With uh, the Trump administration, uh, the uh, communication was more direct. Maybe we're we're not in agreement all the time, but uh, we would have a conversation uh, and uh, we would uh, finally uh, reach some consensus. The question now is, who do we speak to? The question is now, who do we speak to? The answer is no one. The vice president is just gone on this. So, you know, put the blame where it belongs. Put the blame where it belongs. Going to talk about the economy, good, bad, and indifferent. And there's a lot of good out there, but there's also some very big concerns. We'll update you on that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Retail CEOs. Uh, blast the wave of crime and they call on Congress to take action against stolen goods sales. So we are watching a time when it's difficult for um, retail outlets. It's difficult for retail outlets to make any money. We're having a tough time with inflation. People are a little bit more cautious than they were before about the future and things are a lot more expensive. So it's that becomes more difficult when you have to cut corners. But on top of that, they are having to hire more security because of the smash and grab robberies. So they're asking Congress to do something about this. Again, reacting to the needs of people is what the government is supposed to do. They are supposed to react to the needs of the average person. And that's where America is is frustrated with this administration on a number of levels is they don't feel as if the federal government's reacting. I, I'm very clear. I don't agree with the policies of this administration, but I don't blame Biden for everything. I'm not blaming him for things happening. What I blame this administration for is not reacting to what's happening. There's not a walk of life where you don't react to certain situations and change course based on something that is happening or has happened, period. And, you know, when when it's going to rain outside, you move the party indoors. You don't just go outside and tell everybody to party in the rain. And we are looking at a situation where inflation is increasing 6.8 percent, the highest rate since 1982. 
They are doing nothing to help with that. So will they say it's not their fault? Sure they will. And I don't care if it's their fault or not their fault. Are they doing anything about it? And the answer is very little. They went and they tapped into the strategic oil reserve, which is a very short-term answer to a long-term problem. The long-term problem is their assault on the fossil fuel industry to begin with. And I'll go even further. The Build Back Better bill, part of what they want to do is implement fees on onshore and offshore drilling for oil and natural gas. So on top of all of the increases we're seeing right now, even though there's been a seven cents dip in the cost of things and the president, it's so funny, they didn't address the fact that gasoline had gone up by 50% over the last year, but when it drops seven cents, we have a press conference to announce it. That's politics. That's them trying to say things are getting better and we're going to be fine and fair enough. That's what administrations are supposed to do. But they are continuing their assault on drilling. The leases are going down. We know about fracking and the attack on that. Now, on top of everything else, they want to add a new fee for drilling on and offshore. So they are not backing off their assault on the fossil fuel industry. Now, their grand scheme, we know their plan, has to do with climate change. That's what they're focused on, which some agree with, most don't. But if that's going to be the plan of this administration and the um, priority of this administration and nothing is going to stop them from it, the American people are going to see increased costs because when petroleum – you know, gasoline is not the only thing that comes from petroleum. There are so many things out there that are petroleum products. And so when you are watching these costs continue to go up and up and up on petroleum itself, you are going to see a multitude of goods go up in price. But you are also going to see non-petroleum goods go up in price because the cost of gasoline and diesel fuel go up and when and jet fuel when it costs more money to ship those goods it's going to cost more money to sell those goods which means it's going to cost you more money to buy those goods that is as simplistic as it gets and trust me I'm a very simple person but every american is feeling this and you look to leadership and leadership is doing nothing about it Nothing. So let's use the example of tapping into the oil reserve. Let's say this seven cents a gallon drop in the price of gasoline, as temporary as it is, is the direct result of tapping into that oil reserve. So what this administration has shown the American people is there are things you can change that can affect things for the average American. It's not out of your control. It may not be, and I don't care whose fault it is, his fault, everyone's fault, the system's fault, the world's fault, China's fault. Right now, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. If there are things you can do to make it easier for the American people, why aren't you? That's a fair question from anyone. So you may have an agenda that you think is important, but what you are telling the American people is your Your policies, your agenda is more important than the immediate comfort, safety and financial security of the American workers and small business owners and the people in this country that it affects most. And that's why people are angry. That's why the poll numbers continue to drop. 
in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about uh, we had candidates on in the last two days, three gubernatorial candidates. What did we learn from those three candidates? We'll do. Did you hear this as well? All of it's coming up. Stick around. 